0: Got that first distribution check. I look at that hundred twenty-five dollar check. That covers the groceries for a week. Or that covers the car insurance for the month. When you start to look at it, the expenses like that, it's like, oh, like I really don't need that much just to cover, you know, the mortgage, typical, you know, utilities and groceries. And I was like, oh, well, like I can really do this. Hello, and thank you for joining us today on the Gentle Art of Crushing It Show, where we focus on learning and sharing with our listeners all there is to know about how to create success in our lives. This show stands on the shoulders of giants. Our mission is to empower and inspire our listeners to create the life
1: of their dreams whilst having a blast in the process. Let's celebrate life together. Welcome to the show. Right, Welcome back to the Gentle Art of Crushing It uh, Passive Investing Edition podcast. My name is Randy Smith, and I'll be your host today. And we've got a really, really good guest today, Trevor Oldham. Trevor is actually the founder of Podcast You. He's a W2 guy, and he's starting to play in this passive investing space as well. So, Trevor, welcome to the show.
0: Yeah, thank you, Randy. Excited to be here and excited to be chatting today.
1: Awesome. Well, why don't don't we just jump right in, Trevor? Can you tell us a little bit about your background, kind of what you've been doing up to this point, and your path to passive investing?
0: Yeah, most certainly. So I would say one, you know, I got my, the company that you mentioned, Podcasting You, and and been doing that for about six years now, doing that ever since I, I graduated college. And to preface it, within that company, we work with like a lot of real estate investors. So, you know, around these guys, you know, we're helping folks raise capital and, and one day my business coach was like why don't you get into real estate and I was like well I, I've never really I've never really thought about that before you know here I am surrounded by all these real estate guys all the time and you know never really thought anything about it and you know I had my W2 job rolling with that and it got to a point where I was, I was so busy in my W2 job I was so busy in my own business I was like there's got to be another way you know investing in my 401k and you know you look at the charts you know over 40 years you know you're probably going to make a Eight to ten percent return. You know, it's it's not bad. You know, it's decent. But I'm like, I don't want to be 65 and doing, you know, working my W-2 and and running my side company at the same time. So I was like, what can I do? And and that sort of sent me down the passive avenue path. And then that's where I discovered passive real estate investing. I was like, oh, you know, I can go out and own an apartment complex, but I don't necessarily have to be doing any of the managing. And then I sort of started to dive down the different asset classes within real estate, and that you know really turned me on and it made me realize like hey, you know if I had a million dollars, I could go invest it and get a ten percent return and make a hundred k a year, or I could put two and a half million in the market and conservatively say if you're using the four percent rule, you know you have to get that two and a half million, so I mean that's a million and a half more need in the stock market as compared to investing in real estate, so I look at that and i 'm like well that's a, that's a pretty big difference that's you know probably ten to fifteen more working years at least, so when I saw that in the real estate and you know honestly I, I made that first investment and i invested in mortgage notes and you know i just made a small investment and in that i had ne- never really done any investing outside of you know the stock market and i started to get that first distribution got the first distribution i was like, oh, like this is pretty nice you know next month you know first of the month got a distribution and you know that sort of that sort of kickstarted my journey you know into being uh you know more of a more of a passive investor
1: Are you interested in real estate investing, but don't know where to get started or think you don't have the time or money? Are you stuck in your W-2 because the golden handcuffs make it hard to walk away? If this sounds like you, check out impactequity.net and schedule some time to talk with the founder, Randy Smith. Randy went from massive income to leaving his W-2 through passive income, and he can help you do the same. www.impactequity.net. Love it, love it. So you, I mean in what was it two minutes you covered a lot of ground there there's like 16 different topics that i'm taking notes on that i want to ask you about first of all you mentioned you mentioned you have a business coach i'm intrigued with that i also have a business coach and it's just been transformational for for my life i'm curious um have you been working with a business coach for long what has your experience been what kind of impact has it had on
0: the business yeah it's it's been phenomenal i want to say started working with them Probably about two and a half years ago, and, and I just got to a point in my business where I just couldn't—not that I couldn't, but I just had a hard time growing it. I sort of—I used all my knowledge, and I was like, "How can I continue to grow this business?" So I ended up hiring a business coach, and you know that was good. I worked with him again for probably about a year and a half, two years, and that was great. Um, and then I sort of hit a brick wall with him. He got me to a point where I felt as though i would hit my max with him. So then I worked with a mindset coach, you know, and that was from. You know, one of the goals that I had, you know, when working with her. So I started working with her back in June of 2022 and something that she worked with me was, you know, getting over my fears. So one of my fears was actually investing in real estate, you know, coming to her with the excuses. I don't know what to do. I don't have the connections, you know, you know, it's a lot of money to get started, you know, and she continued to push me, you know, so she was phenomenal in that sense. And then now I've actually started working with a third business coach. And the reason I'm working with him is I got offered, um, by a venture capital company to buy my company. And, you know, it was, it was decent, you know, it was in the six figures, but I figured I want to try to get a seven figure exit out of it. So this particular individual, he had grown his own company from zero to 2.4 million, his marketing agency, and then, you know, eventually sold it. So I figure why not just go to someone that did exactly what I want to do? You know, why well, try to figure out the steps myself. I'd rather pay him, you know, we meet on a weekly basis and, you know, we've had a couple of sessions, and. It's been phenomenal. It's just so nice just having someone come in and look at your business that's not just you or a family member or, or someone on your team, like just the guidance that someone that's, you know, more successful than you can provide is, you know, extraordinary.
1: I love it. Yeah. So that is um, success definitely leaves clues. And if there's somebody that's done what you want to do, why not pay the fee to go mm-hmm. work with those folks so you can help uh, streamline that process, speed up the time frame. Uh, Absolutely. So, yeah, so it's interesting that you talk about having been with a coach and then kind of hit a stage where um, maybe it was time well spent, but you weren't learning anymore. You weren't getting pushed. And I've come to the agreement as well that coaches will take you to a certain level and essentially they'll take you to where they are. And then Mm you got to jump up to the next realm and then that coach will bring you up to where they are and and keep doing that leapfrog thing over and over again. but how amazing that you have opportunities where private equity is taking a look at you or outside folks are taking a look at you to potentially purchase this little small side hustle <laughs> company uh, for strong six figures and the goal is to be seven figures. So a lot of folks that I talk with, they're you know they're, they're nine to fivers, they're W-2-ers, they um, might have a spouse and kids and they just can't figure out the time to do the research and education process with passive investing. So um talking to that newer passive investor, what kind of advice would you say to those folks that don't think they have the time
0: to be doing all of this? Yeah, and th- and that's a great question and I would say for me, you know, if you have an hour a week, you know, 30 minutes a week, just start talking to sponsors. For me, I was attending networking, you know, free networking groups that I found on Zoom. I know, you know, Randy earlier and I were talking about Don Spafford. So I met Don, you know, after one of those, you know, networking groups and, you know, found out what him and his company does. And, you know, then eventually, you know, schedule a call outside that networking group. So that's been, you know, phenomenal. And I would say early in my part, you know, I didn't even know the difference between a 506C and 506B deal, you know, I had to really, you know, get granular. We're trying to figure out what that meant, you know, am I accredited? Am I non accredited? You know, what's the difference? And and everything that entailed, and then for me, it was just I tried to just talk to two to three different sponsors a week. And early on, I didn't really know what I was asking them, like what type of questions do you ask? It just was super unsure. It was more or less like honestly, sometimes it was like super awkward on the call, you know, with the sponsor. They're like, "Do you have any questions?" And I'm like, "Like what questions am I supposed to be asking you?" You know, that that type of thing. But yeah, it was just a, you know pushing myself to hop on those calls and, and I kept a track list of the different sponsors that I talked to and, and I honestly just started looking at deals. You know, as much as I could, I would go on Marcus and Millichap, check out their site, see the type of deals that they have going on, you know, going on LoopNet, you know, taking a look at their deals, see what they have going on. I know I purchased them, um, Michael Blanc's like deal syndicator analyzer and that, you know, you plug in a couple of numbers and you know, you get an estimated price on a building so I can tell, you know, hey, is this building too much? Is this building you know, a good price. And then you start to get a good idea, you know, a geography of, of different places within the country, whether you're talking like, you know, an apartment in San Diego is going to be way different than apartment in Texas versus apartment, say in Cleveland, Ohio. So then you got to, you know, it just again, you just take that time, you know, and again, I didn't have a lot of time running these two businesses, but I try to take a few minutes out of my day just to look at different deals, run some numbers, and then try to schedule two or three sponsor calls a week, and, and this isn't to say that happened every week. I mean, some weeks I was just super busy, and I and I couldn't make it. But I just tried to stay on top of it, and, and knew that you know the more sponsors I talked to, especially for me. So I was coming at it, you know, I'm non-accredited, so I had to you know make the connection with these sponsors themselves. You know, they couldn't be reaching out to me, so it made it a little bit more difficult. But I knew that if I wanted to invest in a deal, I didn't want to invest with the first sponsor that I talked to. I wanted to talk to about twenty or so before I made that initial connection And again. It, there's about a four or five month process there for me to feel comfortable before, you know, making that first investment.
1: Yeah. I like that you said, uh, I mean, ultimately, none of us even know what type of questions to ask early on, other than <laughs> are you going to lose my money? Like that's the number one thing that I'm worried about. Um, but it, but I like how you even said like, what, what questions am I supposed to be asking? I I have actually said that to folks and I'll end conversations quite often. Like, what have I forgot to ask? What are you normally telling people that we haven't talked about today, like what are the big watchouts? Um, or if you're investing your own money, what are the, what are the number one things you like to ask? Because more, more often than not, these guys, not only are they operating in the space, but they're also investing pretty heavily in the space as well. So what type of things are they looking for for other operators that they're working with? And Of course, they're going to give you kind of layup things that they can answer very well. Mm-hmm. But it, at least it gives you a better idea on where they think their strengths are and what they're looking for in, in their dollars as well. So now you had talked a little bit about this idea of, you know, a million dollars at 10 percent is the same as um, uh, what was it? Two and a half million at four percent. And, mm-hmm. and I love that your mind goes there because I'm a numbers guy as well. And my mind goes there as well. And I remember doing that calculation where all of the 401k um, platforms will have these calculator tools that if you keep investing at the same rate, like put in your magic number and it'll tell you how much longer you got to work. And I remember towards probably the middle of my career, I was doing those calculators and I was going to have to work like into my 70s, (laughs) which was a really scary thing to think of. So to think that you could essentially cut that number down by 60 or 70% by looking at alternative investments. Um, is a pretty powerful statement in and of itself. So um, I'm curious, how did you first start to get exposure to this space? You mentioned that you were doing the podcast in the real estate space and you had a coach ask you, but like from the question of why don't you invest in real estate to actually jumping in, what did that actually look like?
0: Sure. So actually what that looked like. So I had that question in the back of my mind for a few months and was still trying to figure it out. So I honestly, I, I joined this networking group. To honestly, to more or less promote my company, you know, to get my company more out there. And then that's where I started to learn more about those syndications. And I remember there was this guy, I believe his name was Dave Leon. He was in one of these networking groups. And, you know, he was, he had about three, he had been an LP in about three or four different deals. And he was about a year and a half, you know, into it. So a little bit ahead of where I am. And I hopped on a call with him. And I remember my wife and I, we were going away for the weekend. And, you know, I talked to him on the phone for an hour. And he just, Laid it all out there, you know what it takes to invest, what to look for, and and he honestly he challenged me and he said, I want you to invest in your first deal by this time next year. So this was going to be August of you know August of this year, so August twenty twenty three, and I gave him the excuses. Oh, you know I don't know what to do. I don't know you know how to find these sponsors. And he said just spend you know five to ten hours a week just trying to figure it out. So that sent me down the the bigger pockets platform, you know, and that's where I learned about the five hundred six you know C five hundred six B deals and started perusing. Their forum, then you know, I ended up talking to Jim from Left Field Investors. You know, was hesitant about joining that group. Joined that group about a month or two into it, and then just just poured over that resource. I mean, I know Randy, you know, being within that group, you know, the forums and people talking about sponsors and deals and everything you could ever need as a passive investor as a part of that community, and and that really opened my eyes up for me. And then what really got me going was. Uh, some of the folks in the passive investing uh, community, they're doing a meetup in Boston. And I was going to be in Boston for that weekend. I went over there and I met with them. And there's about six or seven individuals and they're all W2 employees and they're just investing passively. And I was like, Hey, like these are just regular people. Like this isn't just, you know, a far fetched dream. Cause early on, I talked to these sponsors and everyone sounds like it's the best thing in the entire world. And they're like, are they, you know, are they, you know, BSing me or, or is this actually a, a good thing, you know, and I, I talked to these other folks in the community in person, you know, and they tell me about their deals and how long they've been doing it, and that just that just gave me the encouragement of to go out there and, and to do that first deal, and, and really just being part of that community was was I don't know, mon- monumental for my learning curve and just getting around other passive investors. And I can say, you know, Jim's platform is is phenomenal. I don't know of any other passive investor communities that are. As good, I know they mentioned in Boston a couple other ones, but they didn't sound as friendly as as our current as our current group. So I'll I'll stick with it. But yeah, I was just trying to you know connect with other LPs and you know connect with different syndicators.
1: Love it. Yeah, like Jim from and it's Jim Pfeiffer from Leftfield Investors. We actually had him on our podcast. I don't know a month or two ago, and then I just did an in person event with him here in Phoenix with our oh, kind of co-partner, Rise48 Equity. And it was just an amazing event to get all these people together. And we had 50 people in the room that are all passively investing in real estate. And there is nothing that will build more confidence in investing with an operator than casually running into somebody at a meetup that's also invested in the same deal. Mm. And Jim Pfeiffer talks about like kind of his first experience where he ran into a guy that was investing with a deal that he had invested in. And all of a sudden you think, okay, if if I'm an idiot, at least I'm not an idiot alone, um, and my due diligence process must have lined up with this guy's, so clearly this could be a good deal. So I, I can't stress that enough. And that that is really kind of what was in, in the backdrop as I was starting to put this podcast together and impact equity as well as really, let's just combine our resources and vet as many deals and operators as we possibly can. And then hopefully on the backside of that, we all learn a bunch and yes, we, we wanna make a bunch of money, but there's there's a fellowship, there's a community that's also growing throughout that process. So yeah. um, like-minded individuals focusing on like-minded ideas. So mm-hmm. neat, neat stuff. So, so let's talk about that. Then you got the challenge. You said um, one year from today, you're gonna invest in a deal. What was that first deal? um, what made you pull the trigger on that deal? Why did you like it? And, um, I'm sure I'll have other questions as we get into it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That sounds perfect. And I would say, you know, the first deal I got into, you know, was the mortgage notes through Chris Savani's company, but that wasn't, you know, that, that big jump of of income that I was putting into the company with him. You know, this was a, you know, a smaller, definitely smaller investment, you know, not as the typical minimums that you would need to get into, you know, your standard deal as an LP. So I just wanted to go with him, you know, Super safe return eight percent cash flow you know that okay. sort of thing and then for me are you are you comfortable sharing what the minimum was with him and yeah it was like 500 in? yeah it was like 500 bucks to to get into it no now kidding. it's yeah now it's like uh 2500 and they do non-accredited accredited and um yeah so it's it was a super small minimum so i recommend that company to anyone that wants to get started and doesn't have like you know 25 or or 50k minimum um sure to begin with them okay and what was the name of the company again Oh uh, yeah, but it's gonna be seven E investments. So just literally just the number seven and then the letter E.
1: Perfect. And of course, we're not advisors, we are not providing financial advice, but that that was your experience, a positive experience with those guys. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. They were they were phenomenal. So got in with them and and really for me, I again I thought I don't want to be working forever. You know, I have my my income set aside and you know, I had some money in a brokerage account, and then I was like, you know what? I should just go in and invest in real estate. You know, I, you know, I, not that I wanted to get the 100% depreciation that we were going to get, you know, for the last year in 2022. That wasn't sort of the thinking behind it. But I connected with this sponsor. She actually was one of the folks that wrote on Brigger Pockets explaining the differences between a 506C and a 506B deal. And I had a phone call with her probably, I don't know, three or four months prior to it, got on her investor list. She had a multifamily deal. I was, you know, a little bit hesitant a multi-family just trying to understand it and then the triple net lease opportunity came through and I hadn't really heard of it that much started to do my due diligence into it and realized that I could get in you know the minimum was 25k so I felt comfortable with that 7 to 10% you know annual cash flow paid out monthly I like I like that getting paid out monthly the buildings were there was a couple of different buildings where the tenants were gonna be uh two dollar generals, a family dollar, and they just acquired uh, a vet office, and I think they're looking for more property as part of the fund. So high corporate grade tenants. I like that part about it. It just seemed really nice, really stable, you know, just opportunity. And you know, she was great. I had a bunch of questions for her. I I did a background check on one of her partners and you know, he came back with, you know, just some some th- some things that I thought were interesting. So I had to ask her about that and you know, I had to I guess for lack of a better word, you know, call them out on that. And be like, how can I invest with you if you don't, you know, you don't do this? So basically, long story short, the the partners are going through, I guess, a messy divorce and, and some things came up. But part of that, but she was she was great at answering my questions and and I can say there's other sponsors that I was interested in investing with and I would ask them questions and they would just never get back to me. So I was like, well, that's the kind of the end of, that's kind of the end of that relationship. So she would get back to me, you know, in a reasonable period of time and yeah, just sold off the stock that I had, you know, I, I think I took like a, it was like a $2,000 loss, but I figured, Hey, the $2,000 loss I'll get from selling off the stock, you know, I can use a, you know, turned down my income a little bit, you know, last year. And then, uh, you know, I figure, you know, it's, I can put that into real estate and it's just more comfortable for me. It's sort of like that learning opportunity where, you know, if I were to get that 25 K minimum, you know, it'd probably take me a couple of months to, to get that money drummed up. So I already have it sitting there in a brokerage account where, the rest of my money is tied up in an IRA and a 401k, which, you know, it's a little bit trickier uh, to get access to. I mean, I know that, I know that there's ways where I wanted to get into this deal and got into, I think it was back in November and got that first distribution check in, in December. And, you know, that was, I believe it was like 125 out of that. So I think we're getting about a 6% return right now and they have one more property to buy. But I mean, I look at that $125 check and obviously, you know, 6% year, you know, I want to get a little bit better than that on my deal. But like, you know, that, you know, covers the groceries for a week, or that covers, you know, the car insurance for the month. And you start to look at the expenses like that. It's like, oh, like, I really don't need that much just to cover like, you know, the mortgage and, you know, your typical, you know, utilities and groceries. And and I was like, wow, like, I could really do this. You know, i not, you know, obviously you need, you know, you need a decent amount of money. You know, you're not going to put in 25K and get, you know, 10K a month coming off of it or or anything like that. Unless, you know, you're invested with Bernie Madoff or, or something, you know, along those lines. But yeah, it's it's been good, you know, getting that comfortable, you know, monthly cash flow out of it. Love it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I, I have a lot of conversations with folks that say, you know, the stock market's down now. I don't want to pull my money out now um, because I, I want to ride it back up. And I'm curious, clearly you sold for a loss. Mm-hmm. Um, why not leave the dollars in the stock market for, you know, Best in my opinion, best case scenario in the next year to get back what we lost, um, versus pulling the money
0: out and putting it into to real estate. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah. So for me it was really about 15% of my net worth that I was pulling out of it. So it wasn't like I was selling like, you know, half my stock to yeah. to get into it. So I just I just wanted to pull the trigger. That was just, I just feel like I was just gonna keep waiting on the sidelines, keep talking to sponsors and just say, you know, oh another deal comes across and and then I'll invest and for me, it was like, you know, I, I've been in the stock market. You know, I've been doing it for, for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I like it. But at the same time, you know, I'm down. Where where can I put my money where, you know, for the most part that, you know, especially in this triple net lease deal, you know, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be stable income coming in where I'm not getting that in my stocks. And, and in my stocks, I only invest in one just the S&P, you know, 500 or I do a, the Fidelity total stock market index fund. So we cover okay. the entire market. That's the only thing. That I invest in, and you know, is that that's not really producing my income for mm-hmm. me per se. You know, that's not you know, you I might get a dividend here and there, but it's not producing like monthly cash flow or anything like that. Where yeah, you could invest in a real estate deal and they could withhold distributions, but for the people that cry that, you know, at the same time the market's gone down twenty percent over the last year, so they both have, you know it can happen in real estate, it can happen in the yeah. stock market. So it was sort of for me, you know, I figured I'll get that you know, if I get a 10% return, you know, I'll be beating the market, you know, typically, let's say 8%. And that it's just worth it. Yeah, it might not be the best idea to sell off that stock. But for me, it just, it made sense. I just wanted to go in with it. Again, if I was down like 20,000, you know, I probably wouldn't be selling it off, I would probably stick in it for the long term, but only being yeah. down about 2000. It's just, I decided to go with it. And, you know, offset my income a little bit even further, you know, last year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting, interesting um, conundrum there where you start to think about it. Say you have a hundred grand in there and it's down 20%. It's actually got to increase more than 20% to get you back to whole. So it's, I think it's like 25% you have to get back. And, you know, my, my mindset is that if I can put dollars into a real estate deal that Based on performer, will double in, let's call it conservatively, five years, even seven years, but let's say five years. That means you're getting 20% per year. So on the slight chance that you do get the 25% back in year one, I have, I have no confidence in the stock market that we're going to see an extra 20% for each of the next four years. Mm-hmm. So I think even pulling the dollars out, even though you've lost, um, it is a good opportunity to get those dollars into real estate, which are going to just they're going to go out and then come back with more friends, I think, than they will with the stock market. And and I think it's important, too, to take a look at something I've been watching real closely now that I'm not in the W-2, is that like what type of investments are going to give me livable? I'm, I'm calling it livable returns that I can mm-hmm. actually live on versus just see a bucket grow or fluctuate in price. And um, when I had money sitting in the stock market, unless it was dividend based, I was not getting any type of monthly checks on that. So um, all really important stuff. I think it's all based on personal preference, but I think those personal preferences are actually driven by the education and the knowledge base that you have in the space. Um, and I, I think the majority of the groups working at W2 or even small business owners, they just don't have access to most of this information. So mm-hmm. um, that's a big part of what we're trying to do here as well. So now you've mentioned triple net lease, and I know what triple net lease is, but I suspect there are folks on on listening today that don't know what that is. Can you help educate the
0: group on that? Yeah, most certainly. So basically the tenant is going to pay your, your property taxes, maintenance, I feel like I'm, I know it's, a, I'm missing the last one. I don't know if you, think it's
1: repairs, right? Yeah, repairs, like major
0: repairs. Yep. 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 Exactly. So the, basically the tenant takes care of of everything. So you could imagine if you own say a, a duplex, you know, you, you know, something breaks, you got to go and fix it in a triple net lease. If something breaks, the tenant's going to go and, and fix it. So in this scenario it might be the dollar general or it might be the family dollar. So there's, you know, it's a lot, it's pretty low risk. You're basically just renting out. The building, and then they're taking care of all of that, you know, the only thing that they're not taking care of is rent, but they're, you know, they're paying you a rent check, which is a good part of it. But because it's very low risk, your, your returns are going to be lower. But that's why for me, I felt comfortable going in it on the first time versus, you know, a massive, you know, let's say if it's a 30% occupancy, you know, multifamily deal, you know, heavy value add, you know, no cash flow to year two or three you know that's that that scared me in the beginning i would i would just wonder if there's something you know i knew i'd be getting you know monthly income coming in you know the next month or two
1: so yes and thank you for walking through that i think it's it's a it's a really it, it's a more stable type of investment um it it's much more dependent on the tenants because a lot of times it is single asset or, or single tenant situation and you mentioned something else in that space that these are all a certain type of tenant. Can you talk about that a little bit too?
0: Yeah. So you you have your your corporate grade tenants. So those are going to be like you can think of your Fortune 500 companies. So like think of like yeah. your Staples, your AutoZone, Walmart, Target. You know those are going to be high. You know those are going to be the most stable assets. Then you have like your mom and pop shops. So you have like your local pizza restaurant, your local restaurant, your local sporting goods store. Typically, you can make more runny renting out to those tenants. But the problem is, is there High risk of default, you know, they're more likely to go out of business. So you have that risk versus reward. Where if you do these more high corporate grade tenants, you know, again, like the AutoZone, Staples, it's going to be, you know, less risky. So you have more guaranteed income. Where you could go, you now you could go buy down, you could go buy the building down the street. Like I saw in my local area, someone's offloading a portfolio. I don't know how they did it, but all the local post offices, they they bought up all the buildings and they're I they're offloading this. their portfolio. So you can imagine that's. You know, that's potentially risky where I don't know where the post office would fall under, you know, corporate gate, corporate grade tenant. But my worry would be if they left, could you replace it? You know, because there'd probably only sure. be another post office coming in. I thought that was pretty, pretty fascinating concept of them scooping up all the local post offices, buildings, and then, uh, you know, yeah. off, offloading their portfolio. But, yeah, it's, that's really the two you know, main differences that I found with them. Okay. And, you know, I like the the corporate grade tenants. I get scared of the local, you know, yep. retailers and, and stores like that.
1: Well, and, and honestly, I would love to have uh, a lease with the government because I don't think the government would, would default because uh, I believe USPS is government, right? Yep. Government run. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, thank you for educating us on that. I, it's an interesting space. I haven't spent a lot of time there, um, but it is something at some point I want to move into. Um, different type of operator generally in that space as well mm-hmm. than what we see in these kind of high operations-based businesses like multifamily or short-term rentals or or those types of things. So, all right. So you've now got, um, you've got three passive investments, I believe. Mm-hmm. You are, are you what, about a year, year and a half into this?
0: Uh, yeah, actually not even like probably since August. So whatever, however long that is, you know, probably five, six months or... Yeah, okay. <laughs> that, you know, seven months. Yeah, it's it's been under a year now.
1: Okay, so the, the coach gave you the challenge of within a year, mm-hmm. uh, let's get you invested in one, and you're at three. So it, it seems like you might have caught the bug here a little bit. Um, in my experience, once I see folks jump in uh, and start getting distributions and seeing what uh, the full process looks like, they tend to start shifting more and more of their capital over to the space. So what does, uh, what does the rest of this year look like for you? Are you placing more capital, doing more research? What are you, what are you doing?
0: Yeah, it just, it just, um, yeah, place more capital, doing more research, doing more research. I got actually into a deal back in February. So that was a self storage development deal. I'd actually talked to the sponsor back in September and with this particular sponsor, She the minimums were 50k for that. So I asked, could I do 25k? And she said, at that time, no. Uh, And I saw that the fund was closing in February, and I had the 25k sitting there. I said, Hey, can I get into this deal, you know, for 25k? I basically asked her again. And she was like, Yeah, sure. You know, the deal's closing, why not get in? And, And that deal seemed good. And the reason I invested in that deal over the another triple net lease deal is one I wanted to diversify. And with this particular self storage development deal, I probably won't be getting any cash flow out of it, probably at least 18 months. But there's a good opportunity to two to three X of the money, you know, your money invested. So within five years, my 25,000 should be anywhere from 50 to 75,000. You know, it was a good opportunity. The operator hadn't bumped up rents in seven years. They had no technology. They had about three to four or five acres of land that was just, it was sitting there, but not developed at all that they could put additional units on to. So I like that more of that equity play where the triple net lease deal, you know, probably double that initial investment in seven years for this one you know i don't get the cash flow as much early on but i could double that money triple that money in a shorter time period so that's why i decided to go with that deal and then i know randy we're part of a tribe together you know i wanted to test out multifamily and and we got into that deal uh with Lone Star. so that's you know i can't speak to that so far that you know the deal the deal looks good you know we'll see uh See how it goes in the future, but yeah, for me, just continuing to deploy assets in the future. You know, now I don't have anything else to sell off in my uh, in my portfolio. It just you know, it's in my four hundred one k and it's in my IRA, so I stick with that. And and I can say from my personal standpoint, I haven't gone all in on real estate yet. You know, still trying to figure it out. So you know, like I'll max out my four hundred one k through my job, and I'll max out my Roth, and then you know I'm able to do that off my W two income, and then my side hustle income. I just put money away every week to invest in real estate. So right now I'm, I'm just basically building up that, that muscle to get into another deal. You know, I have that capital not in the market, just in like a high yield savings account. So I, I think it's like 4% a year. You get on that, you know, not beating inflation, but at least, Hey, at least it's, you know, better than uh better than zero. So yeah, just, just looking at additional deals, you know, my goal this year was really to get up to about $500 a month in passive income. Um, right now I'm still at about that $125 mark with that particular deal. I anticipate that's going to be up about 150, 200, and then that self-storage deal, you know, that'll probably take about another 18 months or so, and and I'll get that'll be similar. I think it's 8% preferred return once they start um, once they start renting out the new units that they develop. So similar, you know, probably about that 150, 200, depending on how well it goes, and that'll get me near that. And then the Lone Star deal, I think first year is like 17 bucks a month. So definitely small, but, you know, you know, it's, it's well worth it. But yeah, just continuing to build that up, continuing to look at, at different opportunities. I think, you know, I can't say which asset class i like the most right now. I love all of them. You know, every, everyone I talk to, like, like to give you an example, I was talking to a sponsor yesterday and I, I don't want to invest in California. You know, it's just, it's just not the type of state I want to invest in. She got seven units under contract in San Diego for 875000 the property next door is five units for 2 million. I don't know, know exactly. She hadn't sent over. The, it was just on the call, so I didn't know what the property looks like. But but it seems like there's a lot of opportunity uh, there to come in and, you know, basically flip the property. I mean, and even eight seven eight hundred I mean, if, if she's raising, I don't know, 175 or, or 200, 250K for that deal, you know, the the minimums are probably going to be about 25K or, you know, even smaller. I mean, it's such a small... Small deal. So that's something that, you know, I didn't even know I'd be interested in. And then I know like like Don Spafford, you know, Happy Camper Capital, you know, that's one, you know, RV and campground resorts. I've seen people that do short-term rental funds. So it's like I'm just like exploring the whole world, you know, and just testing out the the different asset classes. Again, I don't have like a a specific one. It's sort of like I don't know what I don't know, which is probably, probably not the best thing. But you know, I I I'm big on the jockey. You know, I talk to the sponsor. You know they sound good. You know how are their references? How are their past deals? You know, at the end of the day, you could work with the best sponsor, and and something could go wrong in the property. But are they going to be able to to handle it? So you know, it's for me. I'm I'd rather I like I want to make sure the deal looks good. But at the end of the day, I want to make sure the jockey, the person leading the charge, that's running the deal. You know, they know what they're doing, and and they have that experience, and and I trust in them. You know, I'm not the one on site management and and managing the property. That's why I invest passively, so I don't have to do that? I'd rather find someone that knows what they're doing and is able to handle all of that for me and Then I get the benefit of, you know, I give them my capital and I get a nice little benefit of of that money back from them. I
1: love it. I love it. Well, you are you are leaps and bounds ahead of most of the population out there who's who's sitting at a W2 with uh with a 401k that they're just month after month after month feeding feeding dollars into the the, the uh, stock market roller coaster. So um, great job in the last year. Congratulations on jumping in. And um, I'm sure this will this will reap very good rewards for you in, in the many years to come. So and, and I, you know, I would say as far as, you know, kind of the squirrel squirrel effect here where you get excited and there's so many different have- opportunities out there. Um, you can do absolutely anything in real estate, but you cannot do everything. So, you know, definitely spread the money around a little bit, but don't spread it too thin because ultimately you do got to keep your your eyes on the eggs in the basket, right? I um, mean, yep. if the basket's too big, it gets a little too confusing there. So I, I struggle with that myself because um, like I generally look at deals and think um, anybody who puts together a deck is putting together a deck that makes it look very, very good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? They're not telling you all the holes in the deal. So as they're presented, they all look fantastic. And it's a matter of um, figuring why this deal is not good versus going in and trying to confirm why it is good. So um, they've got everything in their deck that tells you why it's such a great investment, right? Mm -hmm. So with that, we are already at like 35 minutes. And um, yeah, I've really enjoyed the conversation, Trevor. You're, You're an extremely sharp guy. Clearly, you're doing very big things. Um, not only with uh, your passive investment, but also with your your small business and your W two as well. So, congratulations on the success up to this Thank point. You. It's just amazing what you've done already. So, um, I do have a couple of questions. I like to ask everybody. Um, so, if we can, we'll jump into those real quick. What is, if if you had to give advice on the single uh, most impactful resource that you've leveraged in this space, what would it be? To the new passive investor.
0: Yeah, I would probably say if I had to say that, it would probably be using bigger pockets and just going through there. That's how I found about, you know, the mortgage notes and, and perusing through their forums and and then I mean it would also be Jim's group. You know, that's that's also super helpful. I would say probably it's a tie between the two of those. You know, one bigger pockets helps me more with the understanding of like the real estate terminology and terms where Jim's group help me more understand you know the deals and the sponsors themselves so it's it's sort of like a toss-up the two of them you know just perusing those you know i know especially when i joined jim's group just going through the forums. you know not so much on a daily basis but on a weekly basis see what people are talking about and you know then i start to see you know atm funds and car wash funds and those entail and then unfortunately i think all the car wash and atm funds i came across are accredited only but that's one where i'm like wow i, I never knew and then i think Jim and ben, uh, was talking to a guy or interviewed a guy and you find out that to like run a car wash, like it's like 25 cents, you know, for all the materials used. And you're like, wow, that's, you know, these people are charging, you know, 30 bucks a month. I mean, <laughs> sure. you can do the math there. It's, it's a very profitable, you know, type of business. Yeah. And I wouldn't never really thought about that unless I started reading those forums and, and just trying to get educated.
1: There's amazing opportunities all around us. Yeah, we don't even know it. So, okay, well, very good. So those those are two forums and they both have podcasts. Um, outside of those podcasts, do
0: you have any podcasts that you like in the space? I would probably say, so obviously, you know, Jim's podcast, I would probably say the other ones that I check out. So I check out Chris Savani's podcast. So that's 70, you know, checking out him. I don't do as much bigger pockets. I kind of just got bored of it, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, I like, uh, Rod Cleef's podcast. He has a multifamily Mm -hmm. podcast. That's pretty good. And then I like, um, Charles Dobbins. He has a podcast called multifamily investing Academy. I might be biased because I produced a show, so I listened to the episodes, but I, I enjoyed. I think he does a great job interviewing his guests. And if anyone's ever seen, I think it's like shark pool investing. Um yeah. he's uh, he's one of the sharks on there. And and that was that was a cool thing seeing that. You know, that's another resource. I don't know if they're if they're putting it on anymore, but that was a it's basically like a weekly, you know, thing where someone would come on and present a deal and you'd have your three sharks. So there would be, you know, other real estate investors and they basically grill the person on their deal, which is perfect for me as a newbie, you know, trying to figure it out. Cause again, everything seemed, seemed good for me, but yeah, those are a couple additional podcasts. I, I like to check out and and to listen to. I love it. I love it.
1: All right. And then, um, our last question is what would be one bucket list item that you recently checked off your list or one that you're hoping to check off in the near future?
0: I would probably say one bucket list item would probably be, I was always interested in going down, uh, you know, South Carolina into Charleston. And, you know, me and my wife made a plan. We're actually having our, our first baby in June. So times, so times ticking away, you know, before we, before we go out there and, uh, you know, we decided to, let's just go on, you know, go on the trip and we're actually leaving tomorrow. And, you know, we're going right. there for, I think like three or four days. Yeah. We're, we leave tomorrow when we come back, I think Tuesday. So it'll be a, it'll be a good trip. You know, we haven't taken one. We went on our honeymoon back in you know, back in May of, of last year when we got married and that was stressful, you know, they messed up our flights, you know, we were delayed (laughs) a day. It was, it was a very stressful experience. Um, hopefully this one will be a little bit, a little bit better. But yeah, that was the one, you know, I just wanted to check out Charleston. I, I got into college there and I was thinking about going there, but it was like 60 grand a year with no financial aid. And I was like, eh, you know, just for a bachelor's, I don't know if I want to spend, you know, 250 grand good on call. it so I, I held off on that but yeah, that's that's been a bucket list item of ours so you know what occasionally we'll travel to different states like we spent like a week in texas now we'll spend like a week in or you know half a week in south carolina so we like to just go yeah. to different states you know where we're in new york right now so it'll be nice with the weather and but yeah it's uh it'll be good you know you know one of those bucket list items originally we were going to travel across the country because my sister's getting married in august but we realized okay. that uh with a little one on the way, and she, it's probably not the best to, to try to drive across the country. Yeah. So we we formulated another plan there.
1: There you go, there you go. Well, very good. Well, enjoy. It's uh, it's important to get away. It sounds like you were working your butt off too. So take the time and enjoy the life. And, and congrats <laughs> on the little one coming as well. That's great. All right, and then finally, how can our uh, how can our
0: listeners find and support you? Yeah, they can either, you know, feel free to follow me on Instagram. That's just gonna be under my name, uh, Trevor Oldham, or they can just find me on LinkedIn. I believe my username there is Trevor J Oldham. I don't know the I don't know which Trevor Oldham got up before me, but but someone else did, so I have to put the J initial uh, for my middle name there. yeah, and feel free to connect there as well and, and just happy to chat.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, Trevor, thank you so much. You brought a ton of value, um, a newer passive investor that's doing really, really big things already and, and well on your way to decreasing your dependence on your W 2 and your side gig uh, income. So, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. And to the audience, as always, just continue to get educated, get inspired around this space, continue to learn about it. But ultimately, at the end of the day, get the education you need to make a decision to invest in your first deal. Once you do invest in your first deal, I think you'll have a similar experience to Trevor and I, and uh, you'll be well on your way to um, decreasing your dependence on your W-2. So thanks so much for listening today, folks, and we'll look forward to having you on another show.
0: Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of The Gentle Art of Crushing It. It was an amazing episode. We know we sure learned a lot, and we hope you did as well. We want to take a second and thank you so much for viewing or listening to this episode. And please just know that we only ask for one favor, and that is to make this life magnificent. Thank you and have a wonderful day.